Well, boys, looks like you started the fun without me. You're all sick. Every last one of you. We're going to need a bigger gun. What's the matter? You scared of things that go boom? My name is Eric. I'm joined today by Michael, who called this what kind of double feature? Was Rascally Kids. Rascally Kids. Ridiculous. <laughs> um, I'll have you know, I'm still having trouble with my throat, obviously. Uh-huh. Uh, we did look into it, dear audience. There's nothing that can be done. It's just fucked. So, um, sorry. Is this bad? Does it sound okay? I can't hear this. I'm inside my own body. I, I think know. it sounds okay. Yeah. I mean, I All don't right. know. Well, if it's not bothering you, then it will bother literally no one. Uh, Nocturama and Monos are the movies. Does that the order? Do you <laughs> prefer do. that order? I Yeah. I mean, you got to... Sure. Yeah, Nocturama is kind of the slow burn of the two, right? You can't... By the sure. time you get into Monos, you're just descending into crazy town, so... Um, okay, so uh, it's a, it's like a rascally kids double feature. It's like a follow some youths be bad double feature. Um, it's a heinous things done by children to adults double feature. Um, and another another fun one of these. We get to do these every now and again. Uh, it's a I can't believe I didn't know that movie existed double feature. Yeah. All right. Look, I got to talk to you about these movies before mm-hmm. we do that. Without your support, Double Feature may not survive into the next year. So I got to tell you about patreon.com forward slash double feature. Ooh, do I get it's a mattress? where you go. You don't get a mattress or an apron, but you do get some diet pills. No, you don't get those either. You can tell I've stopped listening to podcasts because my podcast references are all from like three years ago. Right. It is where you go patreon.com forward slash double feature to keep the show going and that is what we need right now some people to step up hopefully you like the programming and you want to hear more of it uh that's really all i got to say about it i want to know um can i this is a great fucking double feature can i talk to you about this double feature I mean, I, I think that's literally what I'm contractually <laughs> obligated to do for the next 40 some minutes. <laughs> well, this is, okay, so this is also like just a crazy way to tell these stories the way yeah. these movies do. Yeah. But I want to I talk a little bit about the sort of artistry of doing this. This was one that you picked out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you are doing programming for this, you got to kind of think about, I mean, a couple different things, but the one that we've just noticed for, for our show, for actually sitting down and having a conversation about these two movies, isn't just would it be good to watch them back to back, but also a thematic tie, a kind of a reason for them to both be there. That's necessary. Mm-hmm. But at the other end of the spectrum is that dangerous sort of, you don't want to just watch the same movie twice. Now, a lot of movies, especially as we started talking about log lines, follow similar kind of built-in templates that have worked since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you really talk to people about classic storytelling, some will tell you there's only eight kind of stories to tell, or even only one kind of story that's ever ever told. So, you know, if you you could just 
make double features based on pairing movies that are basically the same fucking movie. Mm-hmm. So I get afraid of that sometimes when I'm like, oh, this is a good idea. And my first thought is always, is it too good of an idea? Is it too, you know? Right. And I think that this double feature should be too on the nose. Mm-hmm. Even if I had had this idea, Michael, I would have gone, no, these are both kind of about kids or terrorists type mm-hmm. of, you know, or kids creating. I mean, they're, I guess, you know, in Manos, I'm less inclined to call them terrorists, but they're holding a hostage. Mm-hmm. So what are, you know, whatever nomenclature you want to use, we're talking about the same uh, kind, of, kind of idea. And it's close enough, although maybe there's a distinction even there, that I would, it would not have passed my secondary check of like, are we just doing the same movie twice? Mm-hmm. But man, not only, not only does it pass that, but uh, the very fear I would have that if you do the same movie twice, you, could, you run the risk of diminishing what is special about the film by finding a second film that does the same fucking thing. <laughs> right. So right. it's got a good hook to it and then you find a second one that has the same fucking hook, then it's kind of like, oh, it doesn't really have that good of a hook. There's two of them. Mm-hmm. But instead, this pair today, you just realize how much more there is than the hook and also how different the hook ends up being. Right. You know, these two things that maybe you would have said were similar, uh, when, the, when the events play out, they couldn't appear to be about more different things. They're telling two totally different stories. And I just wanted to, uh, you know, call out, I know it's not the year end and I'll forget how good this was by the year end. So I'm telling you today <laughs> that it was really fucking great. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, when you're looking at these two movies, should we start with Nocturama, right? That's the way we're yeah, doing let's this. Yeah, do let's do it. So, so Nocturama, the, the main difference, right, is Nocturama is, is how these kids respond to the world. Mm-hmm. And in Monos, there's less world to be interacted with. Yeah. Right? That's, that's, so Nocturama, uh, this movie came to me. One of the things um, that we always like to do when we're trying to figure out what movies to put on double feature uh-huh. is this guy, uh, his name is John Waters. He puts out an annual list of his favorite movies of the year. And so I just like to dive back into his lists. And this was on his, I think this was on his 2015 or 16 list of top tens of the year. And that's where I first heard about I'm it. I'm familiar with these lists. I have heard yeah. Of these. Yeah. John Waters. Uh, but it's also funny. So it's also funny with, with John Waters too. Um, I, he's just, he's, I don't know why his listicle, his, whatever his cinematic listicles are what I pay attention to, but I also took as gospel, the list of directors from Cecil B. Demented as like, Oh yeah. Important. All of these very vitally important. Let's get them all involved on the show. Um, so that's right. That's right. Uh, I first read about what Nocturama was, but I, I, and then you know me. Anybody who's familiar with the show knows how this goes. You, somebody says Nocturama, they tell you like four words, and you go, "Shut up! I don't want any more information." <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and so I tracked it down. We watched it, and uh, let's logline this. It's actually sort of a simple logline because uh, it's it's pretty much like a one trick pony as far as the plot goes 
Yeah, well, again, the plot, right? So it's like, that's what I mean when I say crazy ways to tell these stories. This is a group of kids who plan on a single day, a series of bombings that go off all at the same time, uh, really, to, you know, to terrorize this, the city of Paris for some political ends, for an ambiguous political end. See, I can't even tease out a log line without starting to get into the weirdness of it. <laughs> so the if you really want to get, you know, beat to beat, I mean, the beginning of the movie is watching them. They're about to, to go carry out this mission. You're not sure what it is. And then, bam, you know, like end of first act as everything blows up. They make their way to this hotel, and then it's basically like, you know, Dawn of the Dead if, if they were really good at locking the zombies out and everybody behaved. I mean, they're not that good until the end of the movie. The zombies out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they 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 put a yeah they put a um, you know a key under the mat maybe right. and told like two zombies about it. Um, well, actually, that guy goes outside a lot. You know, it's yeah. it's Dawn of the Dead. If everybody was really great, but one guy still had to take smoke breaks because it is a French film. You're making this too complicated. It's it, imagine <laughs> imagine there's a global pandemic and all you have to do is wear a mask and not go outside. But then one guy just <laughs> right. does it despite the fact that it's going to ruin it for everyone. All right, hold on. I I can't hear you. All right, I'm outside. So you said wear a mask and what was the second thing? <laughs> Um, so yeah, it's, it, it's, it follows these kids. Uh, it never really lets you in on their political motivation. It does a lot of things that just like stress you out in these like brief vignettes where, you know, like one kid shoots an office employee and another kid gets shot by a security guard. And this is all super stressful. This is all in the setup. And then, and then, uh, when everything blows up, they go, they hide in this department store. And, uh, it's funny because, you know, it's, it's the plan is just waited out till tomorrow. That does seem to be the plan. I mean, I want to get, get to exactly what is the plan. I feel like maybe we should start with the kind of who are the kids or who. Here's the here's the known element I have about this. Is this is a Bertrand Vanella film? We talked about Bertrand when we did Zombie Child. That was uh, the same director. Mm -hmm. He hadn't made Zombie Child yet. Um, he's also also did a movie called The Pornographer, which we won't be visiting on the French extreme movies, but sometimes gets uh, lumped in with those. And then, of course, every time we mention him on the show, I have to talk about House of Tolerance, which I just think is, uh, you know, like his masterwork. And of course, has never been on the goddamn show. Right. So he's got this movie, comes out in 2016, importantly, when we try to pin this uh, where in the world it is. And it stars these kids, which I think is, you know, the weird part about both movies, the, the immediate weird part. So we've kind of talked around like maybe what's their ideology or what what do you make of any of these kids? I mean, I think one of the things that's notable is that they're all like different races um which automatically leads you to believe that they are like liberal or neoliberal, right? Mm -hmm. Um and they're young, so they're probably liberal or neoliberal. Um depends if they're young enough to be on YouTube. That's, that's really true. The that's true. Um and then, and then it just feels like an anti-status quo thing. Plus, like you mentioned, it's 2016, so we have this like 
you know, the, the big red heat is coming up and all these like ultra conservatives are rising up. It's, it's really difficult to say because at that time the political climate was, was so tense that either side could be planting bombs. Mm. Um, and, Again, this and this is France, so it's different than than the climate here, but only slightly. Uh, yeah, in 2016. Yeah, and I mean, we can talk a little bit about that. But you know, I look at these kids, and I didn't think about that either. But you know, it is like okay, multiracial. That tells you something about their organization, right? Mm-hmm. That whatever it is, that doesn't appear to be part of it. And yeah, when I think about American politics, that's the fucking white dividing line of everything. Right. You make a right. joke about masks, but it's like, who is anti-mask? White people, you know? It's just like, every party seems to be divided amongst, just pick whatever whatever thing, and then like, a bunch of it is exclusively fucking white, though. So, when I look at the kids, I go, okay, yeah, maybe I'll assume it's liberally minded, but then I'm thinking like, is it a student group because of their age? So, is it like, is there a Marxism thing here or like, what is the radical agenda? You know, they know, they seem to know the country, the, um, the history of radical movements in other countries get brought up a couple of times, but it becomes, I become aware that this movie is pretty clearly going like, fuck you, we're not talking about that. This isn't about some movement, you know? Right. So when I'm watching the kids and trying to figure out like, what are they into or what's, you know, I feel like the longer the movie goes on, the more I'm like, give me some fucking motivation or just tell me please why Mm -hmm. everybody's put their, their lives at stake. And, you know, maybe killed other people. I mean, in a couple of cases that you mentioned have killed other people. And instead, we get these weird scenes yeah. that are like, there's a couple, you know, couples having sex. There's a couple groups of kids just, you know, I don't know, just talking about whatever. Mm-hmm. But there are a couple like scenes that even strike me as weird for things kids would hang out and do, I guess. Right away, we see, all right, we see one guy who said he tied up all the security officers and then he actually shot them and didn't tell anybody about that. So I don't know what the fuck's going on there. Um, there's, quite, there's quite a bit of like, did you find the pop music to be strange in this movie? Yeah. That reads is weird, right? Like they're just randomly blasting. Real, I'm, I'm here in a tense environment. Like I'm imagining, okay, whatever led up to this, let's say that, you know, however much I don't see myself as part of a violent extremist group, let's say I was. Let's say that somehow whatever motivated them, whatever crazy force, aliens have fucking landed, who knows what is going on that caused them to create these acts. But if you accept the premise that you are part of that group, what do you do when you get to the mall? You know, like, I'm not sure listen to loud music. It's like, I'd be like, no fucking music. We have to talk. One of the things that I think is so, it's so like poignant and bizarre about this movie is, is that, um, it, it forces you to realize that like people who plant bombs all across Paris, like have downtime. Yeah. Yeah. Which is insane. Like it's insane to think about. It's insane to think that like Timothy McVeigh, like ate at McDonald's once. 
Yeah. It's just, you know, these things. And sat around at the end of the meal. It was sort of like, right. hey, I, I got 20 minutes to kill. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's nuts to see these people, you know, just like, yeah, we like, we're bombed. We bombed Paris. We're literally the only thing going on on the news. You want to like, fuck. Yeah. Well, for whatever reason, they've sort of decided that they have to be here until morning. Mm -hmm. So we really are spending what, I mean, this is crazy to me because when I, when you said you want to do this movie on the show, I was like, oh, that's cool. I've seen that movie. That's the one where they're in the mall. And I forgot that the whole fucking first like 40 something minutes is just them doing the thing. I forgot that's even part of the movie. It's just a movie <laughs> about people in a mall in my mind mm -hmm. because the part of the movie where they're kind of doing nothing and just waiting for time to pass is uh, excruciating <laughs> and bewildering yeah. and, right. um, and really what stuck out to me. Well, and it's also it's also the part that's under the microscope, right? Because because up until the explosions, you're you're wondering whether or not the explosions are going to go off. Once the explosions yeah, yeah. go off, you're trying to figure out who's going to drop the ball and get them all fucking caught. You know, every time he goes outside for a cigarette, you're like, you fucking moron! Just yeah, just yeah. don't do that. Just smoke yeah. inside. Who cares? You're already trespassing. <laughs> Yeah, right. The the kind of rules that they obey and rules that they don't are weird. Mm -hmm. You know, that it sort of occurs to them to steal at some point. Mm -hmm. And actually, that is one of the things we really do get about the kids that I feel like that's where some of the commentary is. Is uh, So we're watching how everybody kind of deals with what they've just done and the mounting mm -hmm. pressure and they deal with it in different ways. And that's a little more on the surface. It's kind of like the work we're here to do. But... I also was just so fucking taken watching it this time with like how kind of obsessed with, I don't know if I want to say what's popular or what. It occurred to me as I'm watching it that a bunch of the characters walk in and they sort of wind up standing next to mannequins that are wearing their exact clothes, mm -hmm. you know, or I'll sort of, I'll be like, oh, weird, same shirt. And then the camera will move back or they'll move to the side. I'll be like, and pants and buckle and you know what are these mannequins they are basically just the or when the kid walks into the nike stuff you know that's the most deliberate one is i i saw that and i'm kind of like oh yeah this is his fucking store and then he stands across from the mannequin which might as well be a mannequin of him right and I thought maybe there's some psychosis, some identity thing, some mental baggage. But the more I saw it, the more I'm like, oh, the mannequins have whatever's trendy in the store that kids are being told is cool in a mall. Mm -hmm. And then we're seeing the kids that are wearing that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not going to, to say on the film's behalf, like, oh, this must mean this. But... I definitely draw this comparison myself to like how influential how easily influenced I guess a lot of these kids are and that they're they're kind of just like I, I don't know maybe part of it is being at that age but just how much liking what's popular 
for some people is it. Mm-hmm. Whether it's popular music, can you believe Willow Smith wrote this fucking song when she was 10? Or just the things that are in, tracking what's in, the sort of like supreme of it all, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, this is what's in. We must have the officially sanctioned what's in stuff. And that's why we're all dressed like the fucking mannequins. And asking each other like what we think of this particular look or that look when they just committed this radical fucking act. Well, but then it also calls into question like how, if they are that easily influenced, like both of these movies call this into question, right? Is this sort of understanding of like, do, do the people committing these acts understand the gravity of the acts they have or are committing? Mm -hmm. That's constantly sort of at the center of these films is, if they're going to have these conversations, if they're going to dress trendy, if they're going to go outside and have a cigarette, if they're going to, you know, steal from the department store, uh, are they, are they even like truly indoctrinated to the cause that, that they are in support of or you know, like you mentioned, did they just watch like one too many info wars? on YouTube and they went, I don't know, I guess like, let's just go blow something up. Yeah. It does seem like part of it, you know, that's the part of the movie we don't get. But, um, you remember when we did that Gus Van Sant movie, Elephant, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, it's modeled after, uh, Alan Clark's elephant. Um, the, the phrase, the elephant in the room, you know, it's just sort of everyone ignoring this, uh, I mean, with Alan Clark, it was the the like what should be an obvious kind of institutional problem in Ireland. Um, I don't know if that's quite what Gus Van Sant was going for, but in that case, it was school shootings. And it's basically like, hey, there's a huge fucking problem and we're not really addressing it. Mm-hmm. And both of those movies were this kind of cold, minimalistic, almost, you know, they almost feel inevitable to me. You know, when we watched Gus Van Sant's Elephant, it was like once it dawns on you what this is kind of a movie about, there's just this sort of, well, we're on the path and that's, you know. And I can think of a couple more movies that I won't spoil that have sort of felt like that that deal with like kind of actual events. I wonder about that with this movie because I don't know the specific history of like... What I do know that's going on in France at the time is this comes out a couple months into the uh, Nuit Debout movement, which is like their, um, you know, it's basically like Occupy, right? You remember Occupy here. Mm-hmm. So the elephant in the room there is sort of, I don't know, that movement has these calls back to the French Revolution, but like, I don't want to get wrapped up in all that. I think this is, like you said, it is more simple. You think about Occupy, or you even think about problems today, like the, the stuff they were talking about, it's universal basic income, right? It's like the perils of capitalism and the crushing of, you know, in the United States at the time, it was like, oh, the disappearance of the middle class, whereas those problems have advanced even further today. and. I think France is going through, has gone through, and is going through a lot of what we are as well. I don't necessarily think that means just authoritarianism, although that's like a worldwide problem. You know, you were talking about that kind of divide here. But this is part of the reason I think the French extreme movies are hyper-relevant today. France has this culture of revolution, 
And that's why that movement kind of calls back to that. But there's protests, you know, there's protests during the French film Inside. There are protests after this movie comes out, but not before it was filmed. So it's not directly inspired by it. It's just that the protest movements kick up over there again and again, and they seem to be about a lot of the same problems we have here. Mm -hmm. That phrase, you know, the elephant in the room really got to me because it was like, what is it if not the institutional, like we built things on whatever, capitalism, uh, insider business, whatever, crony, you know, whatever you want to call it. And it is no longer working for people. And whether you see that in what we called late stage capitalism, whether you see that in uh, the worker rights movement now, the sort of no one wants to work anymore of it all, these things come back again and again. But then I also think 2015, what was probably more relevant for this movie, I don't know when they shot, uh, but in late 2015 was the Paris attacks, the fucking um, mm -hmm. uh, November 13th attacks. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this is a movie that is coming out and it's effectively about terrorism, right? I mean, I don't, I don't think you'd call it anything else. It's blowing up like capital buildings and banks and mm -hmm. you know the bank is why i i think of uh nuit debout because it's it's like about the economy yeah it reminds me of people camping out on wall street mm -hmm. but the paris attacks are there's a, a great documentary on netflix uh if you want to just like ball your eyes out over like three goddamn hours about it but you know it's um the uh infamous concert shooting that happened the bat yeah the bataclan one yeah. and then you know in cafes and these other kind of events mm -hmm. that similar to this movie struck me as just like oh this chain of just like terrible things all happening at once that that feels overwhelming that feels like shock and awe wow, what's happening? The country's falling apart before our very eyes. And it seems like a very fucking risky thing to make a, a movie about where the protagonists are sort of, you know, the people from... Imagine Gus Van Sant's Elephant coming out like two months after Columbine. That's just fucking crazy to me. Mm -hmm. And yet here it is. So I think that's, you know, that's the thing that reads the craziest to me is really thinking about, okay, whatever this movie's trying to say whatever um, uh, it's trying to teach us or allow us the room to think or question about these kids. And maybe it's, you know, why do they do it? What, um, what causes this? Questions like that. It's having the guts to have that kind of like nuanced, meditative, uh, a dangerous conversation like right after mm -hmm. this is just harmed not so many not even so many people literally in france killed so many people literally but also just the psyche of the country this kind of like for americans what would have been like a post 9-11 moment sure uh crazy bold thing to do if you are confused about what's going on you can always go outside and just ask adele hannell just find her in the street <laughs> she'll know she's always keeping up to date on the latest news She'll just tell you that's the second weirdest thing in this movie. <laughs> uh, Adele, who we saw in Deerskin, and I promised everybody was like a big French to do. Mm -hmm. um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire and in Water Lilies and uh, 
Uh, I just saw a movie with her at the French Institute Alliance Francaise in New York called The Trouble With You. But yeah, just like as a cameo, just the weirdest, yeah. fuck, whatever. Anyways, mono, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, I hadn't seen this one before. Yeah, this one, uh, this is one of the, so every year there's like three movies that when you go to the theaters, um, like indie theaters, you get trailers for and trailers for and trailers for, and then it just never comes out. Um, last year that was, um, the new order. I don't know if you're, if you oh, remember yes. seeing yeah, trailers yeah, yeah. for the yeah. new order and then it just never came uh-huh. out. Um, and Monos was that movie, uh, for 2019. And, um, so I, I saw that it went up somewhere. I, Cause I, it ended up being a neon movie. That's exactly, uh, why yeah. those trailers were being pumped out. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's so much different than Nocturama. It's the same, you know, it's these young kids who are, uh, uh, militarized. Um, Mm. they're being, they're being, um, utilized by another mysterious organization whose motivations are never, ever answered. And they are in a, in a remote place on a mountain, keeping a doctor hostage. And, and that seems to be the only thing they're doing. Uh, and watching a cow briefly, they have brief, uh, briefly babysitting a cow. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's different. So the, the main, the main thing just off the top that's different about this movie is that I, at no point, uh, I don't question, uh, whether or not these kids know what they're doing, but Mm. I do question whether or not, um, you know, it's the brainwash question, right? Like, were they, could they be deprogrammed to understand that what they're doing is wrong? Uh, but at no point do I wonder whether or not they understand the gravity of what they're doing. They're fucking, they're, they're orphans on a mountain. Fucking- yeah, I had like a way of life question about it too, yeah. where I was sort of, because it is so ambiguous, I also thought, are we are we watching something like in in developed society that is a fringe organization, or are we watching something in like a war torn country mm-hmm. or like an early development country where there aren't a lot of people? Um, you know, we spend so it, when we get a city at the end of the movie, I'm almost shocked. Like, oh, <laughs> there's a city and wherever the fuck this place is. Yeah, I think um, what's funny about doing like a log line for this too is like. Again, just a strange way into, I'm going to give you a movie. You tell me how this movie goes, all right? A bunch of kids with a mysterious background and an odd way of life that we don't understand. We explore that way of life. Also, they have kidnapped a white lady who comes from a culture you and I identify with and is closer to the age of the audience. Now, who are we going to follow around in that movie? Obviously, f- yeah, the doctor. <laughs> yeah, she's she's the fish out of water, right? She's our point of contact in this world to like explore what the fuck is going on so that we can be like, oh yeah, this doctor, I really, uh-huh, I get her there and she's bewildered and what's she looking at? Now I'm looking at and wondering, you know, this is just, it, not to say that um, this is awful when a movie does this, but it is... It's an easier path to just follow the the sort of fish out of water way of doing things. 
And it doesn't necessarily mean that a movie will be will be bad or lazy for taking the easier path. There's a lot of great fish out of water movies. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you're in totally uncharted territory, you can help yourself out a little bit and just follow the protagonist that people recognize and everything else will be strange and foreign. Like that's not a, I don't feel like that's a, a cheat or anything. It's just a little bit of um, an anchor by which to explore this. What we get in Manos reads a lot more to me like, you know, like a movie with an opening title car that explains everything. And then like, we just didn't get that in this movie. Because I don't know, you know, I don't know where we are in the world geographically. I don't know who the people we're following are, what their goals or aims are, uh, or really anything about the society they're in. You know, imagine, again, like it kind of reads to me like a movie that goes in war-torn Colombia, 12 young soldiers who are newly part of whatever division have kidnapped this doctor and, I don't know, a bunch of other things we kind of learned through the course of the movie. But that title card doesn't exist. Right. And so we're just like thrown into the fucking chaos where we know less than even the hostage does and we're playing catch up with everybody. Mm-hmm. The cow is actually probably our best, yeah. <laughs> our best like conduit for this world. Yeah, it's funny because when you watch this movie and you get that, you know, it's not really a setup, but as you start getting thrown into what's going on and you see these characters and you see this this whatever universe you're being in, you think the doctor's going to have a big play in this movie. You think this movie is about the doctor, how is the doctor going to escape? What's the what's the background? And then you slowly realize that the doctor is essentially the cow from First Cow and it's really not uh it's not about the doctor. It's just that they need they need some sort of like essentially a MacGuffin to show that these kids are militant criminals. Um mm. and and then, and, and then enough like morsels of illusion that the doctor is somehow vitally important to something going on back in society. Mm. But uh, and and then you and then you get the uh, the other like it's man like when the when the guy comes to visit right when the guy from the organization comes to visit and he's like oh yeah, yeah just yeah. any time that's going on it's just it, it's sort of. Um, it's like you've lived your entire life on this hill, right? Like you're saying, we we as an audience have lived our entire life on this hill. And then somebody comes in from off the hill and goes, I come with a cow and some information. And I'm like, okay, wait. So there's like an off the hill part of this world? <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you know, before we move off the hostage too, I do feel like she has one other purpose in this movie I mean, maybe aside from, you know, being a, a, I don't know whose story this is. So that's another thing we can talk about here is like, just who are we following in this movie? But one, one clear purpose she does have to me is we are watching her just spiral apart. I mean, mm-hmm. she is losing, by the end, she is ready to just murder anybody who gets in her way, even a little girl just drowned her to death in just the most heinous way mm-hmm. because she's got to get free. Survival instinct is kicking in. We see her butchered, battered, her eyes all fucked up. 
Um, she's ready to, she'd tear apart the chains with her hands if she could. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and just like waking up with a bag around her head, the flies. So, I mean, we're seeing her, we're seeing her really come apart at the seams. And we're not really seeing that with the kids. And so another thing that that does for me is it tells us a lot about our condition in the movie and kind of the elements. Say you have a movie, you're in a scene, and something smells bad. And our protagonist, our protagonist has a strong nose and is unfazed by bad smelling things. Then how do you know what's going on in the movie? You know? You, you can't depict smell right through the screen. Mm-hmm. So like these are hard fucking conditions and we want the audience to know it's really it's a really tough life, but also that these kids are so used to it that the parts of life that are tough and awful, like it doesn't even face them. They're not, they don't even know what's happening. So we have this other person who's there and we see how an, to an outsider, just the basic conditions of what's going on obviously, you know, aided by the hardship of being a hostage is just doing her in. Mm -hmm. And I think that does tell us a little bit about the other characters. Well, I mean, that's the thing that is, that's one of the primary aspects of utilizing an army of children, right? Is if you utilize an army, the thing that, the thing that you can essentially surmise about the children here is that they don't know any better as far as how things could be, how things should be, how maybe you should behave, how maybe you shouldn't just shoot guns randomly to celebrate stuff. (laughs) Um, Right. So I guess to go back on, you know, my question of like, do they really fully understand the gravity of what they're doing? The aspect is no, because they're incapable of it. But Mm. I also think yes, because you, there is no age in which somebody hands you an automatic rifle and you go, I'm probably like on the path to righteousness. I mean, there is a way and it's called the American military, but like not when you're like 12 years old. Yeah. Um, no, several years older, please. Yeah. And, uh, so, so I feel like, yeah, you're right. These, these kids definitely are there. It's, it's the, it's what's the banism. Uh, they're born into it. Um, okay, sure, sure. Yeah. These kids, by the way, whose names we never even really know, just like, no. you know, like Doctora is not this woman's name, right? Right. So add that to the list, man, where it's like, we don't know what place we're in. You know, I think the movie's shot in Colombia, but this isn't necessarily Colombia. And I think Manos is an, an island somewhere, but I don't fucking know. I'm from no, America. No, 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 that's not the... Most people here don't have a passport, so... No, 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 the title is Monos, which translates to monkeys. That's important. Oh, well. That we're talking, we're talk- yeah, I think that, if you don't know that, that's very important. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's a, there is a moment in this uh, movie, uh, the timing was so fucking perfect. Something happens, I think it's when they... Um, they put the kid in the pit mm-hmm. and there starts to be a real like rift between them and, and you know what they've done and like what happened with the cow. But I forget the exact moment in the film, but I do remember that kid's in the pit and I just remember saying like, oh, this is getting kind of Lord of the Flies here. Mm-hmm. And then the very next scene is the pig head on the, the pike. I'm like, damn. Just like willed that into existence. (laughs) (laughs) 
But it's interesting in thinking about if you know Lord of the Flies, like where this is similar and where it deviates. Sure. Because I think, you know, Lord of the Flies for all its interpretations, I remember the, you know, the author was always kind of like, no, it's about fucking kids and how they're like, look at these fucking kids. Mm -hmm. And everybody, everybody kind of wants to draw apart these, um, you know, these, these broader, this is the great part of art, I guess, is like any, any group of people thrown into a survival scenario. Mm -hmm. um, Which, which person in the circle will they vote to kill? Right. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've exactly, seen it. exactly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, you've watched Circle, the <laughs> bottle film Circle. Interesting. I've heard of this, but you know, his take was always sort of like, no, I was like in a grocery store and I saw a bunch of little fucking kids. Like, look at how they behave around each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like it was really what you joked about the theme of the show being, which is like misbehaving kids, or just this sort of. Uh, I don't know, the amazement of just looking at a bunch of especially, um, yeah, just un, unsupervised children mm-hmm. and how they kind of like form little rules of society around themselves, ungoverned children. Um, that that experiments of removing adults, how what happens to modern children, you know, growing up and what opinions do they form without that influence and what are their instincts? And that's where the title comes in to me, right? Mm-hmm. Is because it's twofold, right? So monos being uh, Spanish for monkeys means that there's like this animalism to these wild children, right? They're, they're essentially, they're, they're, a, they're a version of feral, you know? They have, they have a guy who like comes and like hands them a cow and like tells them they're allowed to have sex which yeah, yeah. sure that's that's actually there's a whole social allegory to that yeah yeah but, yeah um, again not much different yeah. than real society yeah but also you know the idea of like you know the 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 term aping something where you're just like doing a thing you've seen but you don't necessarily understand what it is oh, and i sure. feel like in a in a country you know to go back to to speaking of the countries themselves in a country like colombia one of the easiest things to ape is milit like being a militant you know oh yeah yeah guns up in the air shooting into the sky i mean Sure. It's, it's that and doing cocaine. Those are like the two things that would be very easy <laughs> to just pantomime uh, if you knew very, if you only knew television for the first I 10 years of your life. My, my grant at the Colombian Film Commission just slipping away as, <laughs> <laughs> as the show goes on. All right, we should get the fuck out of here. Right. The, see these movies if you haven't yep. seen these movies. I think we relatively relatively low spoilers onto uh, very strange movies and you know they'll get you thinking keep the keep the mind working it's important double feature dot fm patreon.com forward slash double feature I would like to thank Henrik Dinter the avid of unreason Tom Leonard Tony Gleed and of course John for this insane thing that we're doing next time on the show. I cannot even believe it's happening. I mean, it's here. It's like a little happening. Um, So uh, first of all, just want to just want to stick a flag in it. Uh, I told you 
that if you came back next week, we would give you the exciting conclusion to our list of executive producers. So fuck you if you thought I'd forget. Oh, wow. Um, wow, look at that. And two, uh, it's Killapalooza next week, y'all. And after probably five years of arguing, we came up <laughs> with we came up with a plan to do um, the Ring movies. So the problem with the Ring movies, and we'll get into this next week, is that there's like the original movie, Ringu, the one we all know came out. Mm. And then that like has basically been remade or made a sequel to like 15 times um, for various reasons. And then a lot of those sequels kind of had their own universes. So uh, we're going to get into a lot of that next week. But suffice to say, we're not going to cover all... I think it's like 21 movies are actually within the canonical universe. We're not going to do that. So you could do a whole show and yeah. we've done them off, off mic yeah. trying to figure out what is the canonical ring universe Yeah, because they're really, it starts, if you're on letterbox, you know, that, uh, that annoying thing on letterbox where you're like, is this a TV show or a movie? Yeah. We can't decide, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of where you get with the ring where you're just like, I don't know. Is it, DVD ROM a film right. is the what about this thing that happened in this other country and you know we'll get into some of that but uh, yeah there there was quite a bit of detective work trying to figure out what the fuck to do here and so what we agreed on is that uh, we agreed on two things uh, one is that we would be unable to finish it in a single Killapalooza so patreon.com forward slash double feature if you want another follow up to the ring uh, Killapalooza and two the other thing we agreed on is that the most logical place to divide it is right before for the American remake. So mm-hmm. that will give us four films next week. Uh, for you playing along at home, those films are in chronological order. Ringu, uh, this film called Racin, uh, which is also called Spiral. How do you spell that? R-A-S-E-N. All right. Because I plan on playing along at home. Right. I don't know if that, I told you that. That's so good. That's I, exciting I for me. Find that's exciting movies. for me. Yeah. Uh, then uh, Ringu 2, and then uh, the one I have to assume is my favorite just by title alone, which is a film called Ring Zero Birthday. Oh, my God. So those will be the four films we cover next week on the uh, Ringu Part 1 Killapalooza. Watch more fucking film. <laughs> All right. Bye. <laughs>